0: Hey guys, this is Kurt. Uh, this episode I am solo Mio by myself. The other guys are too cool for school. So looks like I'm by my uh, looks like, uh, like I'm on my lonesome. Wow, that just sounded awful. <laughs> Let's try that again. Hey, so I'm on my own, but that's okay. I'm not alone really, actually. Um, I've got a guest on. Um, he is from Mountaintop Games. Uh, his name is Matt Kwok. Matt, thank you for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. No problem.
0: Um, we're going to be talking about your game, uh, the primary, that's going to be on Kickstarter March 15th by Mountaintop Games. But uh, let's get into this. Let's ask some questions. Let's, let's get to know you. Let's ask the arbitrary question that we always ask everyone <laughs> when they're our first timer. How did you get into this thing called gaming?
1: Yeah, My answer is probably going to be uh, very similar to a lot of the people you talk to, but, uh, you know, grew up with all the classics, Risk, Monopoly, um, and it kind of just stayed there for quite a while. Um, I recently moved back to Madison, Wisconsin. I did my undergrad here, and when I did that, I had a couple roommates still left in the area, and they really introduced me to the hobby games, the more complex games, some of the heavier games, and I really kind of just fell in love. So over the past couple years I've been playing all these games and enjoyed it so much I figured you know why not try it out for myself nice
0: so I'm going to ask you a couple of questions that I I don't I normally ask people when I tell them about that just it just kind of sparked me when you're talking about the old school the new school so what's your favorite old school game for when you started and then what's your favorite newer school game that just kind of like really hooked you
1: Okay, let's see. Old school, I would have to go with Monopoly. Um, I know it's a, a very painful game to play nowadays. Uh, now that I'm all grown up, but um, you know, I always liked playing with my family. I always liked the idea of uh, you know building this bigger and bigger uh, company and kind of squashing the um, enemy or the compa- uh, competition. And I actually um, liked it so much, I had. You know, an old flip phone where, you know, they didn't quite have apps, but you could download games. And I had Monopoly on there. And I knew how to game the computer. I knew how to play against the AI and make all the right moves. And I just crushed it on the phone. Um, So that was really my favorite game growing up. Um, A game that got me into the scene, let's see. One of my first purchases, I guess, uh, and sort of the hobby space for board games was Dead of Winter. Um, I really enjoyed the cooperative play, uh, kind of the hidden trader mechanic, um, the zombie theme, you know, I hadn't played a ton of those games yet, so it was still new to me. <laughs> and I do enjoy, uh, zombies as a genre in a, as whole. So, um, I really liked that one kind of spurred me into the, the hobby for sure.
0: Nice. That's awesome. That's a, that's a good gateway game because it's got a lot of, a lot of depth to it, which, like, kudos for you to, like, really get hooked on that because that, that game is, you know, when you first learn it, it's not easy to learn. And um, plus it's, like, it literally is one of the like one of the best games. I mean, it, it, it came out at a time where zombie games were old. Like, everyone was just like, come on, another zombie game? We don't need another zombie game. I mean, come on. So it was awesome that, you know, you got hooked on it just like most other people did. So yeah, you were playing all these games, getting hooked on them, just kind of progressing as a board game player. So then, what what made you decide that you wanted to go into the designing of games?
1: Yeah, so you know, as my day job, I work in product design, and have an engineering background uh, by training. So I figured, you know, I'm just enjoying these games so much, I might as well try it for myself and see if I can design one. You know, and quickly learn that <laughs> it's much easier said than done. You know, the first (laughs) game I really tried to design was based on sort of this hiking and camping theme where you're taking these long through hikes, you know, hundreds of miles. And, um, you know, it kind of turned into the experience that I imagined in my head where it's just this arduous task of, you know, packing food and long days on the trail and very tiring. And I think that translated pretty closely to the game design. So it's been quite an eye-opening experience for sure.
0: Yeah, it's crazy to think that, you know, when you see board games, and sometimes even the simpler ones, you're thinking, oh, I can do that, and then you start making it, and you're like, whoa, wait a minute.
1: Right, not so much. It's not as easy as you'd think.
0: <laughs> no, not at all. There's just so so much to it, you know. So it, it's funny when you... I give this as advice to people that want to make games, like, and like haven't had the wherewithal to actually start, start, because, you know what, it actually... Like, I've, you know, even been doing it here at home just to make games for my son and stuff like that just because I wanted to do it. Like, man, do I have an appreciation for the people that can do it successfully? Because, it's like, you know, I was just uh, talking with my son today, actually, because we made this little fun little robot dance party game, and it's a card game. Oh, nice. And I was thinking, man, I really want to put some more stuff into it. And I asked him, I said, what did you think about that game? He's like... Yeah, I like it. And I'm like, what would you, is there something you change about? No, I think it's okay. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't want it to be okay. I want it to be really fun. You know? So it's just, it's, it, it just, there's just so much that goes into, you know, mechanics and art and how it plays and stuff like that. Cause like, you can automatically think, okay. Like even if you're gonna make a small card game, it's like okay, I just make a bunch of cards, make some rules, and it all shakes out. <laughs> well, guess what? That's not how it works. There's sometimes you'll play and you will be like, okay, wait a minute, we're draw- we're not drawing, we're drawing way too many cards. Let's sh- sh- shake that down a little bit. Oh, wait a minute, this mechanic doesn't work with anything else. You know, so you know, when it comes to that kind of stuff, it's just it's crazy. So when you when you decide to design a game, do you think of the theme? Before you start making the mechanics? Or do you think of a mechanic and go, oh, this would be kind of cool. Now I just need a theme to go with it.
1: Right. I think my brain tends to work a little bit more towards the theme end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, something will just kind of stand out in my mind as something that, you know, I really enjoy or seems like it would lend itself to a really cool um, interpretation in a board game. And then from there, I think it almost goes more towards. Um, an experience, which I kind of learned my lesson on with that hiking game is, you know, the, the theme can translate into, you know, any number of experiences for the gamer. Um, you know, maybe that hiking game should have been more about seeing beautiful sights and taking pictures of them rather than, you know, the, the long hike, the, the grind of the trail, having to plan out your food and your rations uh, which makes for a very uh, different gameplay and a different experience. Um, so I think I tend to start with a theme and then you know if it lends itself to different experiences then I kind of whittle it down from there and see you know how well could I represent this uh, theme and this experience you know based on a board game mechanic, um, you know something that I'm familiar with or some new idea that I might be able to come up with
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, so have you ever tried to create something that you're like, okay, this would be fun, but I have no clue the ins and outs of the theme of it. Like, you know, say with like this hiking game, like you, it sounds with the mountain, with your mountaintop games, you must know, you must hike, you must know what it means to do that stuff, you know, the ins and outs of that. Have you made a game where you're like, okay, I have this cool theme, but I don't really know much about it to where I can really suss it out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely have a lot of interests or things that come up to me as an idea that, Oh wow, that's a pretty cool theme. But you know, I, I once I start to think about it, I really know next to nothing about the theme. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I've tried to, to look into a couple ones, um, voodoo, for example, I just think that's a really deep theme, something that's really rich, Um, But, you know, I don't know anything about voodoo, about black magic, about any of that stuff. So, you know, I've actually gone to a point where I'm starting to do some research on Wikipedia just to see, you know, what's there, what could inspire me to, um, you know, come up with a mechanic that would really tie in well with the theme. So, yeah, I've definitely had experience with that. You know, I haven't progressed that game or um, some of the other ones where I've had to, like, dig in with some research to a point where, you know, I feel like I've really got something that ties in well so that definitely can be a difficult aspect of starting with the theme first
0: yeah 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 it just it seems like it just i don't i don't know how you guys do it i don't know how you do it so let's talk about the primary so this is a game that you're going to be trying to fund on kickstarter starting march 15th nowadays it seems like the voting process and how people are are elected and who's in office and stuff like that is a real touchy subject and stuff like that so Why did you decide to come up with this game, the primary?
1: I think my inspiration uh, really came from the past election cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think it was was one of those that really brought in a lot of people. And for me, definitely, you know, I started to pay a little bit more attention to, you know, what was going on, the candidates involved, the issues at heart. And it really just got me a little bit more politically involved and then, it kind of just coincided with my, you know, development as a game designer, and I was playing more and more of these games, and I just kind of saw an opening where, you know, this political process, you know, the election process, and especially within the primary election, which to me is a little bit more interesting, could really lend itself to a game. You know, I found it really neat how different states vote at different points in time, and, you know, it could take Days, weeks—I don't even know how long it actually takes um, in the real world—but just the fact that not everyone's voting at the same time on the same day, uh, you know, really seemed like an interesting concept to me that you know could be turned into a, a gameplay mechanic.
0: Nice. So, for the people that may be listening that don't know what what a primary actually is, why don't you kind of explain that to get people that idea in their head?
1: Sure. So, uh, both in the game, the primary. And kind of in real life the premise is that um, everyone is playing as a candidate within the same political party so at the primary election you're looking to beat out other candidates with similar uh, values and ideas as yourself you're all within the same political party but you want to win that final nomination to become president so over the course of the game you're going through your campaign you're moving across the country You're trying to gain influence and you're trying to build up in regions before they vote and once they vote you earn their delegates and once the region votes it doesn't really matter to you anymore you're on to the next region so the map kind of shrinks as the game and the course of time goes on so at the end of the game after all the regions have voted whoever has the most delegates from those regional votes wins the game and becomes the party's final nominee for president.
0: So talk about some of the mechanics in the game that may swing votes and, you know, really get yourself into, you know, into winning this game. You know, what are, what are some of the things that you can do to kind of, you know, get those votes and get that prestige?
1: So the heart of the game is really focused around a hand of action cards All players have the same hand of action cards which they use to execute their campaign strategy and gain this influence and the delegates in order to win. So, the way that that works is you have the same hand of cards as everybody else, but each round you have to choose four cards that you want to use, and you lay them out in the order that you want to play them face down. And everyone does this at the same time. And then once everyone is ready, You begin one at a time in turn order around the table, flipping over your first card and executing it. And then somebody next to you will flip theirs over, and then third player, and then fourth player, and so on until you've executed all four of your cards. This kind of gives you some flexibility to react to the other people and what their strategy is. But also at the same time, you're constrained um, at the beginning of the round having to only choose four of your available actions. So those actions, there's seven different card types and each of them you have a different quantity in your hand. So you have a bus and a plane, those allow you to travel, um, the bus you can use for free, the plane you have to fl- uh, pay for. There's positive and negative ads which allow you to you know, place your influence in any region um, of the country or remove somebody's influence somewhere else in the country kind of like running a TV commercial would do. You can hold a rally. So wherever your candidate is located on the map, you can um, spend some of the influence that you've gained over the course of the game and deploy it in that region in an attempt to win the vote. You have a fundraiser card, which allows you to gain that influence. You know, you gotta get some donations from your donors, hold a fundraiser. And then finally, you have the super pack, which um, you know I mentioned you're going to pick four cards every round that you want to play. So whoever plays the most of these super pack cards gains influence from the super pack. Um, you get four influence cubes instead of just one influence cube from the fundraiser card. So it's kind of this tension uh, between players of trying to predict who's going to play the most super pack cards you know, who's going to go conservative and play a fundraiser um, and how you plan your strategy to try and Um, earn this influence
0: so when you're um so when you're playing this game and you it's it's a map of the united states of course and you're looking at the different things do you have it set up where in the different states you know some there's more chances for influence in the bigger states than the smaller states kind of like what you would see in a regular process
1: yeah so the actual um original design my intent was to have all 50 states and base the delegates on the actual delegate count from the 2016 primary election. And you know, over the course of time, I quickly realized that wasn't quite feasible. So for gameplay sake, states were combined into regions, and we summed the delegate count from those states within the region, and at that point in time, we were playing with thousands of delegates and you had to do all this math and it was no fun at all. So then <laughs> <laughs> the delegate count got rounded down and scaled down to come up with these better numbers that you could more quickly do some basic math on. So there's currently regions that are groups and the delegates that you're earning are more like 15 or 8 as opposed to you know a few hundred per state. That kind of happens in real life.
0: One thing I just wanted to point out that I really enjoyed about researching for this, because you know, you have a couple of a couple of spots where I was able to kind of look at the game and stuff like that. I like the fact that you had with your uh, delegates, you had um, different races and backgrounds and men and women. I kind of like that because you know, it seems like with previous elections, you know, other than the last couple. <laughs> <laughs> there's not there's a, not a lot of uh, different you know people from different races and stuff like that. So I really like the inclusion of that instead of just saying you know the same thing that you've always seen.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I wanted to be a little bit intentional with that, and um, along with the diversity, also make sure that you know none of the candidates were actual people, so they're more fictional characters. And similarly, that I didn't really want the real real divisiveness of politics to, to creep in so there's really no reference to democrat republican green party or anybody else kind of just playing within this neutral party that's not even named and the premise and the structure of the election kind of follows the the gist or the overall feel of the primary election but um, i kind of wanted to avoid any of that uh, within the game
0: yeah and that and that's a smart idea because you know, it, I will admit when you when you sent me an email talking about this game, you know, I was pensive about it because <laughs> you have you have to be careful with this kind of stuff because you don't want to say anything or do anything that might trigger anger at people, you know, and it, when, when it comes to anything internet based, it's hard not to do that you know yeah for sure but um I'm glad I had you on to give you a chance to talk about it because it looks uh, it looks phenomenal for what I've seen I like with, with the art too I like the vibrant colors like the reds and the blues and you know all the background and stuff like that I like that it kind of draws you in and makes you go oh this is actually kind of cool and with you know how this you know how the map builds up and stuff like that with the colors i mean it just really really pops and it really like draws you in and makes you want to play this game even if you know with someone like me like this topic you know, maybe I wouldn't be interested in re- in real life, but as, you know, seeing this board game, I was like, gosh, this actually seems really fun. I really would like to play this. This seems like it would be awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I just want to give a, a quick shout out. I'm working with, um, a couple actually from the okay art studio, uh, a husband and wife from Argentina. And like you said, they've just done an amazing job. Uh, they have a ton of experience in the board game industry and I'm just really pleased with, you know, how all the artwork and graphic design turned out. Um, And I think it is a big help. Um, You know, the the theme can be kind of a love-hate thing and it can either draw people in or just kind of, you know, turn them off immediately. So I think the artwork and all that definitely helps to, um, you know, just have some people give it a chance
0: yep and that's all you could that's all you can expect so I, I didn't hear the names so what are the names of the couple
1: so they're Sebastian and Rocio um, they're actually from Argentina so it's been fun working remotely with them but they've yeah just done an awesome job
0: that's awesome so how did you come to find them then
1: Um I just kind of went through this very random search process for artists and graphic (laughs) designers. And, you know, this being my first game that I'm trying to, you know, self-publish and put out there on Kickstarter, I wanted to, um, you know, kind of take an easy route wherever I could. So the fact that they're, you know, a couple that can work very closely together, uh, Rocio is actually the illustrator and Sebastian does the graphic design and a lot of the stuff for the Kickstarter page. Um, So it's kind of like a one-stop shop where sometimes you might actually have to find someone who specializes in illustration and artwork and someone who specializes in graphic design. They were just, you know, an awesome uh, opportunity, and I think I just kind of stumbled across them on BGG, looking through some games that I, um, you know, like the artwork or I like the graphic design and just trying to click through all the credits and see, um, you know, who I could reach out to.
0: That's awesome. Well, I I'm I'm guessing that well, I'm guessing. I'm going to say by looking at it that you you made the made a wide decision and you got very lucky on that part. That's
1: awesome. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
0: so let's talk about this kickstarter then let's talk about what you know how much the game is how much we're looking at shipping i know a lot of people don't like to hear about stretch goals or some people don't even like to talk about stretch goals and they kind of like to keep it minimal minimal so why don't we kind of why don't you kind of tell us about what all we're expecting when we go to fund it on march 15th
1: yeah so the base kickstarter pledge to Get a copy of the game is for $35. And on top of that, you will pay um, shipping that's been subsidized uh, by me. (laughs) For the U.S., that's going to be $8. And then depending on uh, where various international backers live, the shipping amounts will fluctuate a little bit. Um, So we are looking to do, um, you know, EU-friendly shipping and Australia-friendly shipping, where we'll send games to distribution centers in your region so you won't have to pay any taxes or anything on top of what you've already pledged to Kickstarter. Uh, You mentioned stretch goals. You know, I'm kind of caught in the middle of, I think, the spectrum where um, I definitely wanted to keep this a simple campaign, um, again, since it's my first project. Um, But I do understand that you know a lot of people or backers kind of enjoy the process. you know, it helps people keep engaged. So one thing I wanted to do with this is kind of bring in the theme of the primary and let people vote on their stretch goals. So there's sort of these achievements that become unlocked as the campaign goes on and it gets more and more funded, or people um, engage on social media. And as these achievements unlock, you'll get a certain number of points. And once you reach a threshold of points for a stretch goal, I'll allow all the backers up to that point in time vote. So let's say backers unlock the first three achievement points, and they can choose from a menu or a list of all the stretch goals, and they all cost three points. So it's pretty much just, okay. which of these stretch goals do you like the most? Which one do you think is the most valuable? And I'm going to let them vote, and that'll decide which stretch goal gets unlocked first. Very nice.
0: I like it minimal. That's all you need, especially for your first game, because you don't want you don't want to get too caught up into the whole thing of like everybody wants something, and then you're like trying to figure out everything, and it's oof. Kickstarter is already a beast in itself in the first place. You don't need to pile it on. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I didn't want any um, add on products or T shirts or anything else, um, especially when it comes to fulfillment. That can become a, a headache pretty quick, from what I understand.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and for here in the U.S., forty-three bucks for a fun little, uh, fun little game with great art and great mechanics. I mean, you really can't go wrong. So, so what's what's the future? So let you know, say the primary just blows to the roof, like it's gonna after the year. <laughs> <laughs> what's next for Mountain Top Games?
1: Yeah, I mean, if that's the case, that would be ecstatic. <laughs> you know, if if people really enjoy the game, um, you know. That would make me uh, very happy. But along the process um, of the design and development of the primary, you know, there's always been ideas that you kind of add to the game and either they don't work or you think they just don't fit quite within the scope of that experience that you're kind of trying to curate. Um, so, you know, there could be an expansion somewhere in the future. I haven't you know, spent much time on it except for the idea that I'm keeping a list of things that could work. But like you said, if it just explodes and people love it, um, you know, and there's demand for it, that could always be a, an opportunity. Um, I do have some other game designs that are kind of on the back burner. You know, that Voodoo one I mentioned, um, a few other concepts that are still pretty early on. I've tried to focus my efforts on the primary, and you know, I just kind of wanted to make sure I did it right, and I wanted to to make sure it got out there. So I kind of put myself on this timeline and said. You know, whatever it takes, I'm going to do it. If that means, you know, all these other ideas that I get along the way, um, maybe it's just a post-it note and not much more else.
0: <laughs> yep, that's what you got to do. And I like that you put, you're put putting all your efforts towards it. So. so come on, people. March 15th, go on Kickstarter, <laughs> get the primary. You won't be disappointed. Trust me. <laughs> 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 and thank you, Matt, for coming on and
1: talking to us about it. Yeah, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Legends of Tabletop Podcast, creating legends one die at a time.